you today. Let's say hi to our online crowd. God bless you guys. Woo! Hey, if you come and want to get baptized, we're changing some things a little bit. This is what we're going to do. If you're getting baptized and you don't have one, you're going to get one. We're going to give you a Live Life on Purpose t-shirt. You can get baptized in it and take it with you. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Um, so, you know, that'll help. That was something the Lord had told my wife and said, you know, we ought to do that. I'm like, that's a great idea. So anyway, uh, just a lot of things. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be amping our format up a little bit. And right now we are live on Facebook. And so if you're watching me now, you're watching me live on Facebook. Um, but we're also going to be able to be live, Lord willing, uh, as we get things started on our website and everything else. So we, we are doing more and more things that we are going to reach more and more people for uh, Jesus Christ. And that is our goal. Amen. It's all good. God has been doing great stuff. Um, are you in the house and are you ready? Come on. We've been talking about end times. We've been talking about are these the end times? And, you know, nobody can really answer that question as far as definitely, oh, yes, we are in the end times and Jesus is coming back day after tomorrow. I'm going to the grocery and then he's coming. We don't have those kind of answers. And nobody does. If they're telling you that, the Bible says beware of that. Nobody has those answers right now. Uh, but we could be in that season of the end times. There's so many things happening that, uh, that the Bible has already talked about. And so we have been looking into Revelation. This is our third week. We've been talking about the letters uh, to the churches. And so <clears throat> let me, let's just get started, okay? Here's a nugget. Two signs predicted in the Hebrew prophet Daniel said, the time of the end, we talked about that last week, should be uh, so plain. Really, if we're thinking, is almost the noses on our face or the nose on our faces, or however you want to say that. But here's the first one, increase in travel and increase in knowledge, number two. So increase in travel and increase in knowledge. So did a little history. 1914, the average speed of cars and trucks were 15 to 20 miles an hour. Today, rockets, satellites average more than 24,000 miles an hour. And so man has had an explosion of knowledge. And the reason these two signs, I believe, are together is because they need each other. They're interchangeable, or they're interrelated, so to speak. Maybe not interchangeable, but they, the, the travel depends on knowledge. You can't send rockets and everything if you didn't know how to make them and how to do that. They all have to work together. More than any other time, any other place in history before this one, men are running to and fro on the earth, are they not? And knowledge is abounding. The Bible predicted that this is the time of the end. And so I, I don't know all of the exact day. I can't tell you that. But, you know, we are seeing things that are pointing to, come on, he's coming back. He's coming back to get us, and that's going to be a great day. And as I said last week, I get to fly like Superman, so that's fun. <laughs> so that's going to be good. Let's, you know, and people have asked this stuff. Um, well, should we take prophecies literally? You know, there have been some that work in the prophetic, and there's been some that work in the pathetic. Uh, and should we take them literally? Well, anytime somebody is claiming to be a prophet, obviously everything has to line up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then they're obviously working in the pathetic. But it's got to line up with the word. And sometimes people, you'll hear a word, and if you're not sure, then just, so to speak, shelf it as far and study and find in the word if it lines up. Let's look at Jesus. That's, isn't that the best example? So let's check out Jesus, Matthew 24, 1 and 2. Jesus was leaving the temple grounds. His disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They'll be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. Now, the disciples are trying to show him 
how cool the look look at these buildings here jesus look at these man are these not nice now i just had a, a pastor come in here um not long ago a good good guy good friend a large church in town and when he saw the auditorium he said man this what you guys have done in here is stunning that was his word stunning and i i thought wow it's cool but it's, it's pretty plain jane I mean, but, you know, like, he goes, man, the, the color is great and the, all that. I'm like, you know, I really had nothing to do with that. Especially if it's stunning, I probably had nothing to do with that. <laughs> because the other day, I'm going to leave my house. And I had, I don't know what I was wearing, but I had on slippers. <laughs> and my wife said, are you going out like that? And I said, Yeah. I mean, you can go to Walmart and catch half the Walmart crowd in just their PJ bottoms. I said, honey, I'm just going to Family Dollar. Ain't nobody in that family going to care about my slippers. Are, and you looked, in your, you looked in the mirror, and you thought that was good. Yeah. You see, sometimes I don't have the right taste, okay? But it was stunning. I look, and I think, God, you're amazing. Everything you see in here, all the instruments, everything that's here, it is completely paid for. That's pretty stunning. God did all that. I mean, I helped paint, I helped build, but I mean, it was just God using other folks. Jesus says the temple's going to be brought down, and not one brick will be left on top of the other. So, you know, I was, this is awesome, God, but do you know the church's people? I mean, as, as we grow, the Lord tarries. Tarries just to mean as he's not coming back yet. It may take a little longer. We may build out this way and maybe build onto Kids Town. My, my dream on Kids Town, I'll spit it out, uh, would be like a two-story treehouse and all kinds of stuff where the kids come in and go, oh, my word, we got to go here. You know, just because I want to get kids for Jesus. I want them to come and go, this is awesome. And I want you to have fresh food so when you come in here, you get fed, and you leave and go, we got this. God and me, it's going to be a good combination. So I get all that. But Jesus predicts, he said, this, nothing's going to be left, not one brick on the other. Now, I want you to picture this. You have, ever have a Thomas English muffin, and you pop it out of the toaster? Now, I know I'm going to make you hungry. And you put butter on it, and the butter goes all into the nooks and crannies. And that's what you want. You want that butter to go in your mouth and go, hey. That's what you want. Picture that. In a sense, what happened is, and here's the story. This happened in 70 AD in, in the temple. And that year the Romans burned and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, especially the temple area. The fires were so hot. Now think about the temple. It's full of gold. All the gold melted all over the bricks and the blocks of the temple, just like the nooks and crannies. They couldn't get it out. So they had to tear every brick apart to get the gold. And so none was left on top of the other. So the prophecy came true. Now, just to make this a little bit more of history, if you've ever seen on the news the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, still there today, some of those bricks are used in building that wall. Is that not cool? The same bricks that Jesus looked at are still alive on that. Well, bricks don't live, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> they're, still, they're still being used, let's just say that. 
But this is good stuff, and we haven't even got really to the end time stuff. I'm just saying, we're getting there. Revelation chapter 2, we're reading seven letters from Jesus to seven different churches. Remember, each of those letters, we can grab something. Uh, everybody can grab something out of each of those letters. There's some truth in everything in, uh, in the Word of God always. And so letter number 3 begins in verse 12, Revelation 2 verse 12. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. Pergamum is the compromised church. The word Pergamum means objectionable marriage. In this case, a marriage between church and state. Sounds kind of familiar in ways, but let's keep going. Just after 300 AD, a new Roman Empire arose under Constantine, and Constantine decided that he would conquer under the sign of the cross. In other words, how many know that the enemy is always taking something God does and copying it and doing something? The sign of the cross. What is the biggest symbol that we Christians have? It's going to be the cross. One of the other symbols that you'll see, you might see it on a car, is a what? A fish. Because fishers of men and, you know, fishing for people and all that. Although I have seen uh, the Christian symbol on a car and the guy in the car flipping people off. So I'm, I'm assuming he bought the car at a car lot and nobody took the, you know. <laughs> Let's hope that's the case. But anyway. Uh, we, you know, if you see a cross, you automatically almost think of the church or Jesus. And, it, and in this time, it was cool to be a Christian. Now, it's cool to be a Christian now. I get it, but, you know, it's not always popular right now. But there are things that are happening right now that it's cool. It's cool to, to be this or to be that because it's in now. It's, it's, every, you know, it's just different, and it seems like we have to do this or be that, and now, uh, you know. You're, Brett, you're talking to service. I'm just saying there's lifestyle changes that people are saying, oh, it's cool now. Not really cool. This too shall pass. When everybody calls himself a Christian, it's, it's easy to see hypocrites. You know, you know what I'm saying? It, it is, it's hard to find the real believers because they, they are found when the true test comes. That's what happens. When, when the rubber meets the road, when, when it gets hot, you know, if it's too hot, stay out of the kitchen. Guess what? The real believers stay where they're supposed to. You know, some people will be like, I don't know why God would send me here. I am the only believer here. The mission, should you decide to accept it, it is to go where God tells you to go and do what he tells you to do. And that's the word Jesus He's saying this to the compromised church. He presents himself as him who has the, what is what he says, the sharp double-edged sword. That's the word of God. And the word pierces and separates. It cuts from the bone to the marrow. It's the word that says, boom, here it is. Boom, here it is. I almost feel like that song. There it is. There it is. It is just the word. And what now is happening is the word is being drawn. And the line is there. And there are people that don't want to see that. But boom, there it is. <laughs> you can try to take rid of it or not, but I'm telling you, God has a bigger eraser than y'all. And he isn't erasing it. It's still there. Jesus encourages this church because in every church, there's people that still stay faithful. There's people that still stay for the cause. And it's important to see that. Even in the midst of compromise, there are true believers that won't compromise. 
Remember Jesus talking about the wheat and the, and the, the weeds or the, the tares. You know, he's, he's talking about when you pull this or that. This is what he says in 2.14 of, of Revelation. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching, teachings of Balaam. And what we're seeing in society today, we're seeing all kinds of things come up. And remember when everybody, this is all during, I want to say it was the Obama administration, we had to, everybody had to tolerate. That was it. You just have to tolerate. You can, I mean, I, I understand what tolerate means. I mean, it pretty much almost explains itself when you say it. I tolerate. But there's some things that you just have to be, you know, I, I make the choice that's your choice. This is my choice. So we have to be clear on some of that. Balaam was a wicked prophet in the Old Testament. King Balak wanted to destroy God's people to curse them, and he couldn't do it. So Balaam and Balak get together, and, and this is what they said to do. We're going to get pretty pagan girls, and we're going to have them seduce the men of God in the middle of adultery and worship another god. And it worked. They cheated on their wives, and they cheated on God, and they were destroyed by their foolish lust. Balaam's teaching was the bad marriage. It was the mixed worship and adultery. It's God's people with idolatry. Now, there's different adultery and idolatry, so, I just, so you can catch that. He seduced God's people into cheating on God. And see, in Constantine's empire, when Christianity gained political power, the church was compromised and corrupted. They started following wrong and bad teaching. And lots of pagans joined the church without actually changing their hearts. Now, let me stop right there because I had a guy that I knew that said pagan all the time. He's like, oh, you're just a bunch of pagans. You're just a bunch of pagans and pagans and pagans and pagans. And, I, you know, and I, maybe I'm just, you know, just an old country boy. I'm like, what the heck is a pagan? Anybody else feel that way? Okay, if not, the cheese stands alone. All right. So, those of you who are watching, <laughs> I put the definition in here. So, I'm helping me, okay? So, all right. This is what a pagan is, is derived from the, the Latin uh, pegamus, which was used at the end of the Roman Empire to name those who practice religion other than Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. Early Christians often used the term to refer to non-Christians who worship multiple deities. So it's just basically people that didn't worship God, didn't follow God's ways, they were pagan. Okay? So, in other words, uh, these folks looked the part on the outside, but on the inside, they were, they were the same. Either people that play church. Okay? They go to church for the wrong reasons, or they go to church for the facade of what it appears, not of how they live. And so, looked on the outside, on the inside, was not Bible-busting, Jesus-thumping, devil-chasing. They weren't that. As soon as the heat got turned up, they were gone. Can't touch this. You know. <laughs> All right. So, I'm just wound. You know. I just, I mean, praise and worship, was that not awesome? I just loved that today, and I could just feel God all over that. So when Pastor Kim was talking, if you noticed, I'm, I'm like a horse in a gate. I'm like, yeah, I just want to talk. <laughs> but it's not because whatever she said was awesome. That's, I agree with everything she said. I'm just, I'm excited to get what God has in me to get out to you. 
But, you know, as Americans, we've taken on some traditions that aren't necessarily biblical or not necessarily godly and that aren't necessarily wrong, but I'm going to talk about them, okay? Christmas trees. I love Christmas probably more than most anybody in this room, I would think. I love Christmas. I love giving. I love presents. I love all of the things that come with Christmas. Easter eggs. I like eggs. And we had fun with our kids coloring eggs as they grew up. I colored them when I grew up. Lent, not from your dryer. (laughs) Priests with high hats. But those all really came from pagan customs or not uh, Christian or not as much Christian, but not biblical things. Now, saying all that, they also, there's also household altar, altars to pagan gods were replaced with altars to Mary, altars to Jesus, uh, still on the cross, and um, those kind of things. Or Christian saints, you know, they burn candles or an altar for a Christian saint. And I, I you know, um, there's people that will take things to the extreme. There's always people that will take something and take it to the extreme. But what happened is exactly what it says in verse 14 about Balaam's story. Idolatry and sexual immorality. So they, they combined that idolatry, in other words, idols, idol, idolatry, and adultery, sexual immorality. They, they put both of those, they're trying to wipe out, come on, they're trying to wipe out the voice. They're trying to wipe out the people of God that have a voice about God. And so because people are people, they're drawn just like anybody else. Everybody has weak points. And so the enemy's going to try to find that weak spot in your armor or whatever, and that's what he's going to go after. And you have to be strong. Come on. You have to be strong. You, have to, you know what you do? You fight it with the word. You change your mind. You change who you are inside so that on the outside it shines differently. You know, sometimes you're known for this. But I don't know about you, but I've been going through metamorphosis. How about you? I've been changing, and it's taken time to change it. But, you know, the guy that was years ago is no longer around because he's gone. But I'm changed to the guy that's now, and I want to get more and more like who I'm supposed to be. Come on, can I get an amen for that? Come on, God's got a plan for each and every one of you and those online. He has good things for you in the middle of all of this stuff. I mean, the world celebrates things and they take, you know, there's people that put, get this, Santa Claus bending down at the manger scene got removed. Boy, that's going to insult people. Get a life. Do you know there's people then that were practicing witches and took offense because some little kid put on striped leotards and a pointy hat and they said, because you're making us look a, a general idea of what witches look like, and that's not how we look. Put a helmet on. You got some little seven-year-old, I'm not saying dress up like a witch, but come on. The world celebrates St. Patrick's Day or Mardi Gras in a different way that's probably not Christian. I mean, I think there's more to life than green beer and drinking songs. Just saying. Verse 15 says, Likewise, you have also those who hold 
you have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolosians. And this could mean a couple things. Nico meaning power, laity meaning people. Nicolosians can mean power over the people. When the church and state were joined, the church took on the structure that looked more like government, pushing the leaders up and the people down. Um, regular people, you couldn't go, and, and you know there's some people that are just untouchable. You can't go and talk to that. You had to go. If you wanted to go to God, you couldn't go to God. You had to go through a priest. You had to go through the pope. You had to go to confession. You had to do this. You had to do that. You had to pay this. You had to, these are penance. You had this. And you might say, no, you're ba- I'm not bashing. I'm just saying it's not biblical. Verse 16, Jesus says, repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the, the sword of my mouth. So how does Jesus fight? He did it when he was walking the earth. It is written. It is written. It is written. You need the word of God. You need God's word inside you. You need that word to be able to say, okay, nah, if that doesn't line up here, take this. Bang. I mean, if you want to be, I'm, I feel like I'd be like Emerald. Ba-bam. <laughs> that always happens when he throws garlic somewhere. Garlic. But I'm saying, Bam. You need that word of God that just instantly says no. Jesus fought with the sword, the word, the Bible. Because the word of God pierces, it checks our motives, it separates. It is amazing what God does. The Bible reminds us there's one mediator between God and man. And listen to me, church. You don't have to go to priests. You don't have to go to popes. You don't have to go to saints. You don't have to go to the president of the United States. You can go to Jesus himself by the spirit of the living God that lives inside of you. God's word sanctifies. It makes us holy. And it washes away the world's corruption. We just talked about it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, Brad, are Christmas trees wrong? I don't think they're wrong. We have them. Easter eggs wrong. I don't think they're wrong. But I do think you need to know exactly what you're doing and why. I mean, I, that's just my own thought. And if you're like, don't you ruin it, you'll ruin the magic. I remember where I was in fifth grade, where I was standing outside of Vernon Elementary School, and I was saying to Bobby Fields, Bobby, if you're watching, I said, I can't wait to see what Santa brings me. And Bobby goes, what? And I remember thinking to myself, now, Bobby wasn't a believer, neither was I, to my knowledge, but that was the year I went home, I said something to my sister, and she goes, thank God. I think something like that. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't thank God. But it was but I, I went in my mom and dad's closet and I I found presents that I got the next day that said to Brett from Santa. So I asked my mom about them. My mom my mom <laughs> She can make Pollyanna look like uh uh a jailbird, you know what I'm saying? She, my mom, she said, well, you see, I'm holding them for Santa. And he told me to give them to you. Okay. <laughs> well, here's my point. Okay, I'll get off that. Here's my point. What I told our children was this. We, we celebrated those holidays. We still do to this day. 
But what we did is we were honest with our kids. We told our kids everything. We told our kids about the real meaning of Christmas. We told them about the real meaning of Easter. We still had fun finding eggs. We still had fun coloring eggs. We still had fun the whole time. We still had fun sitting on Santa's lap. Matter of fact, Zach got joy out of telling Santa his breath stunk. <laughs> Santa, your breath is bad. And uh, I, I was just putting him on his lap, and I could smell it standing out. I'm like, Santa, he's right. <laughs> Santa was eating Rudolph's food or something. I don't know. But we told them everything. Now, here's the reason. We did it in a way that we said it's okay. We didn't, we didn't stop their imaginations from believing and having fun. We read uh, towards the night before Christmas. We did all of those things. But they knew what truth was. And so, now listen to why I said that. Because when there came a time when they were of knowledge to accept Jesus Christ, I can't present Jesus. And then if the things in their major, in their lives, their biggest beliefs are going to be Santa, the Easter Bunny, and, you know... I don't know. I want them to know that Jesus isn't like that. Does that make sense to you? Made sense to me, and it worked. Our kids enjoyed holidays every time. They enjoyed Christmas. They enjoyed going to the store. They enjoyed. So when we celebrate, we do it up big. We do it. We love it. That's fine. I think this is a heart issue for you, and that was for me. So just know what your heart is and say, okay, I'm celebrating. And I get it because you can take. You know, there's a story of people take an egg and make it, you know, for the resurrection, and you crack the egg and, and all that. And I, I think that's awesome. They've, I've seen the Christmas card with the tree. They take everything away, and it's the cross. And I think that's wonderful. But originally, the whole holiday came. It isn't really a biblical holiday. Are we okay? All right, we're moving on. <laughs> Did you know that, you know, uh, fasting for Lent is really not, uh, Lent isn't, it's just something that man made up. Fasting is not made up. That's in the Bible. But again, look at your heart. Father, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? So we told our kids the truth. Um, check your motives. If you are trying to earn points with God to pay off sin, stop. God doesn't take bribes. That's not how it works. That's not biblical. If you want to see Christianity get more uh, political power... I think if we look at church history, power corrupts. And enforcing Christian values on non-Christians often backfires. This is what we need to do as believers. Believe that Christians will take office. Okay? So then we can get God's influence in the office instead of just believing non-Christians in, and then we want God's values in a non-Christian life. They don't have those. His ways will have meaning as long as they're believers. Now, Jesus' letter, you know, we got to take it to heart. He still hasn't given up on his church. He still rewards those who overcome. So before we get to the next letter, I want to point something out. I am shotgunning this whole thing as, we get, as we're going into this. So in other words, I'm not trying to pick out every, every detail or we'll be here until Jesus comes. And, you know, so I'm trying to give us an overview of what these letters are saying so that we know exactly what's going on you know because history is very detailed and there is so much in there but it is still good for us because our our whole our whole heart is to find out what's jesus say i mean bottom line you can say a lot of stuff there's a lot of noise going on there what's jesus say to his church and that's our point here is to hear from jesus and this is what he says in this section those whom i love i rebuke and i discipline but we live in a society right now that nobody likes rebuke and nobody likes discipline. 
because, again, we're almost carrying over tolerate. I can choose to live however I want, and if you tell me in love, that means you hate me or you don't accept me, and that is not true because love doesn't mean I hate you. It means I might not agree with you. I still love you. So in truth, truth isn't always received as well. So what happens is we, we tell somebody, because ever then, hey, you can't judge me. I, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm, you're, you know, people will ask me, and I'll say, you, you want me to tell you? you know, but I want to tell them what this says. So unless you have another interpretation of that, if that's what they want, they don't want to hear it, just look it up. I had one guy tell me, give me another scripture. I don't like that one. No. He said, you don't know another one. I said, I know a lot more. But I'm not gonna, you didn't do anything with the last one. You go look at the last one. Let, because see, what happens is the conviction that comes on people makes them feel uncomfortable. Do you know, when I preach the truth, sometimes people, we, had, we had some people say this. You know, I've never felt so uncomfortable in my life. Sorry for that. But could that be God loves you so much? That he's trying to say, because I don't know about you, but this is what he does to me. He's made me very uncomfortable. And he's had to say, hey, Brett, right there. No, God, how about right here? No, Brett, right. But it made me feel like, oh, but if we continue to say, nope, 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 we'll just go where everybody agrees. Have fun with that. Because everywhere you go, there will be a honeymoon period. And sooner or later, somebody's going to make you feel uncomfortable. And then what are you going to do? And sometimes by our own choosing, because of the choices we made, we've made everybody feel uncomfortable around us. And we want to blame everybody else. But yet we have isolated ourselves ourselves. That's truth. The bottom line is Jesus loves his church, and the love for his church, all of us. He loves you. He doesn't want any to perish. We don't deserve it, but he loves us. Do you know God's love is decided before you do anything wrong? And then even when you do, it, it never changes. You know, the love that we try as humans is so based on emotion. Or you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And God isn't like that. Number four is to Thyatira. Again, a real church in the first century, and I believe also representing the age of the Catholic Church in the West, Orthodox Church in the East from 590 to 1517 A.D. And I said last week, A.D. is Anno Domini, uh, medieval Latin year of our Lord. You know who helped me with that? John Schmidt helped me with that. I loved it because I'm like, I was always taught it was after death. And he said, well, this is the actual where it came from. So, uh, anyway, that is uh, 1517 A.D. But it, it really it reflects all of these are churches today. And we all have something to learn in this. Thyatira means continual sacrifice, which is exactly what the Catholics hold Mass to be. A never-ending sacrifice of Jesus' body. But Jesus, did he not say on the cross, it is finished? He introduces himself in verse 18 as the Son of God with eyes of fire, feet of bronze. He sees, he judges. Verse 19, he praises them for their good works with love, faith, service, and perseverance. And he says their works are getting better. He's not, you know, he, he loves them. He's saying, hey, you're doing good. Again, we need to look at our motives here. And I'm not, trying to, I'm, not gonna, I'm not trying to bash Catholics. I'm just trying to tell you some differences here that don't line up. 
Orthodox churches and Catholics have done and still do phenomenal good works around the world. They do plenty of good things. I mean, think of Mother Teresa and, and all of the, the things that are done, and they're done well. I mean, they're done very well. So there's, we, have, we have some great uh, churches in this town. I'm just saying on the basis of the reason they do these, I believe, is not biblically sound. The best I can say it, okay? I, I uh, just like pagan, I, I, I wasn't real sure if somebody would say, you know, orthodox. That sounds almost like a dentist. <laughs> but it isn't. So I put this definition in here. Orthodoxy's belief, adherence to traditional or affirmed creeds, notably in religion. In the Christian sense, the term means conforming to the Christian faith and representing in the creeds of the early church. The first seven uh, intimunial councils were between the years of 30, or 325 and 787 A.D. with the purpose of establishing accepted doctrines. It's basically just doctrines handed down men by men over and over and over and what they believe to be right. But in verse 20, Jesus does this. He says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. And Jezebel in the Old Testament was a a villain, a wife of Ahab, as you know. She was an awful... uh, Ahab was an awful king. Um, But Jezebel murdered prophets of God. I mean, she's just just nasty. you know. And she murdered prophets of God. One story, she helped her husband steal property, and she lied about this other dude's property and brought false accusations in a court about him or in a council about him and, and had him put to death just so she could have his property. She had no remorse, no care about anybody's life. She was just self about herself. That's it. So from 600 to 1500 uh, is a time of great power and corruption in the church. And what I'm saying is from that kind of stuff has just been handed down over and over again. I said in the first service, there was a story of a of uh, um, this lady, she made this incredible ham for the holidays. and They said, man, that's just so delicious. She said, well, why do you cut the, because they were helping her make it, how do you make this incredible ham? She said, well, you cut this end off right here, and this is what we work with. We don't ever use that. And they said, well, why? You just don't. She said, well, why not? I don't know, that's the way my mom always did it. So they went and asked the mom, why don't you use that end of the ham? She said, I don't know, that's the way my mom always did it. So they went to her grandmother. Why do you cut that into the ham off? She goes, that's the way my mom did it. <laughs> so the great-great-grandma, they finally got an answer. They said, why did you do it? And she said, because I didn't have a pan big enough to fit the ham. <laughs> for, for generations, they, they lost that much meat. I mean, help me, Jesus. He said you could eat pork. So come on. But they didn't, you know, so it was just handed down, just information. Nobody knew why or nobody, you know, they questioned until finally found out it was just they didn't have a pan to fit that. So sometimes teaching uh, is wrong. Everything needs to line up with the word of God. And that's why it's important as we reveal these things to you or as you're going, I don't know, Brett, I don't know, because I'm, I'm human. I could say something wrong or I might represent it wrong. Then just look it up. I mean, I'll be glad. I, I, I am not proud. I mean, for the very fact, I love John Schmidt. John said, hey, you know what? I used to think the same thing. But here's the actual definition of A.D. I said, write it down because I'll never be able to say that unless you give it to me written down. And everybody should say amen to that. Amen. Because who knows what I would say up there. I mean, I'd try to put all that together. That could be scary. 
But it's all good because you know what? I'm in school just like you. So, I mean, I'm doing my best to, to bring this so that you can understand it. But this is what he says in verse 20. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. So church is far too full of that. In the history of church, there's, there's too much sexual immorality. And, and again, it's just things that we need to be on guard for, from the pope to the priest to whoever. Jesus says it all starts with bad teaching. You can't pay off sins by donating to the church. God does not accept bribes. You can't buy your way into church offices. You can't. It's not who you know. How about just who's you know? You know, just be part of him and let him put wherever he needs you to be. The Bible says, with his eyes of fire, Jesus says, I am he who searches hearts and minds. I will repay each of you according to your deeds. That can get like, whoo. But he speaks to many in Thyatira. He says, uh, why do not, who or who do not hold to her teaching? And to them, he gives no correction. In other words, there's some people that said, I don't buy that. It just doesn't feel right. You ever been somewhere where this just doesn't seem right? Okay, he's not correcting those because you are led by the Spirit of God. If you're a believer, you have God's Spirit connecting with your spirit. And you need to listen to what your spirit, sometimes you need to just say, you know, the other day, let me give you an example. Kim was going to go out. She was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the store. I'll be back in a little bit. And sometimes she'll get out and she'll just feel like, I just need to get home. And so, you know, she just came home, and, and the Lord had just shared with her, you know, you, you don't need to go out and do this. You have some of the stuff you need. She went home, and it was all right there. So why are you telling me that? Because God is in the simple, and he's in the, he's in the detailed. I mean, God is in everything. Come on. I mean, he's the one that created. Come on, he made the songbird sing. He scooped the Grand Canyon out. I mean, this is God we're talking about. So God is in your life. If you are connected with him, you choose to be connected and walk with him. They asked a little boy, he said, well, who do, you, who do you love? He said, I love walking with Andy. He said, who's Andy? He said, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. <laughs> but isn't that, if we walk with God, he will walk with you. He will talk with you. He's there the whole time. He is just saying, would you, Brett, just, I'm here. Even in a church gone bad, they're, they're still faithful people. Jesus tells them to hold on until he comes. He calls to the overcomers and promises an awesome reward. Now, again, I'm not trying to bash Catholics or any other Orthodox believers. I'm, I'm just saying. There's so many denominations. We're going to get into that because Protestants are next. So, I'm just saying. But Jesus loves his bride. He loves the church, the whole church. And, he, and whom he loves, he disciplines. <clears throat> With our children, we choose to shape them in the things of God. And in the first service, Pastor Kim had this. She said, you know, I don't know where you are, but if you have children, whether they're teens, whether they're small, you know, sometimes wasn't it easier when they were little? You just changed their diaper and they just ran around. And, but you really never had a moment to yourself, did you? I mean, but now it seems like it went by like that. And they get older and you're thinking, I used to like the day you talked. Because sometimes they're, they just say things and you go, what? What were you thinking? Oh, no. 
So you live through those things. But according to Isaiah 54.13, the condensed version, that she read a, a fuller version, but it says, All my children are taught of the Lord, and great is their peace. And that's awesome. So, you know, I start taking promises literally. Just like the gold was in the nooks and crannies, so they had to tear the blocks apart just to get the gold out. If God said it, that's all. It's done. I don't have to, I don't have to question. I don't have to. You see, what we do in today, like now, of these end times, we want to know how, how. You know what? He, yes, is God in control? Absolutely. But in that control, you have parts to play. You have choices to make. But we chose to mold our children. If they, if they acted up that was unacceptable, we disciplined them. That's how it was. I mean, it, sometimes it wasn't convenient. Most of the times, it never is convenient because, you know, they know when to act up. At the store, in front of people. We, we, were, we were in a parsonage one time, and people were looking at the parsonage. And Zach, five, probably five. We're, you know, they were they're just showing him the parsonage. And Zach comes around the corner with the cape on. And he comes around, he goes, lop him up, chop him up. Can't you hear the jingle jangle sound? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, and the people are like, oh, isn't that cute? And then he darted away. And we're like, what possessed you to come and do Pete's Dragon in front of these guests? You know, he was like, I don't know. <laughs> He didn't get disciplined for that because we laughed about it later, but it was just so funny. But it, like in the store, if he'd act up or one of them would act up, I mean, mom and I would just look at each other and we might tag team or if she's by herself or I'm by myself, party's over. She'd be like, oh, just put the card over here. And she'd turn to the people at the register, I'll be back. And she'd take them to the car. One time in the service, true story, Kim's playing Pickerington. She's playing and she's good and she's pretty. She's playing, but Maddie would not behave. And so she made him at times, and I mean, I probably didn't look. She's like, sit down right here. So she sometimes had a kid sitting right at her feet. But one time she acted up in church, and Kim said, you act up in church. I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to discipline you. Maddie thought, she's bluffing. She doesn't bluff. So Maddie did her thing, whatever that was. I mean, when she was growing up, now I love Maddie. She's the one taking pictures here, and she helps us with photography and helps in kids' town. But Maddie would go up to a kid in the nursery, and she'd go up, she'd go up there and want his toy and just smack him, grab the toy, and go sit in timeout. And then we'd come in the, the nursery. What's she in there? Well, she hit him. And did you put her in timeout? No, she put herself. And she said, well, it was worth it. <laughs> You know, it's hard being have is what she would say. But anyway, on this particular time, she acted up. So Kim made her mind for the most part. But, you know, well, she's playing. So there's not. So when she was done, she just picked her up and walked her out of the sanctuary, put her over her shoulder. Sanctuary is packed with people. And Maddie yells out, pray for me. <laughs> and I mean, the whole place just breaks up and, and cracks. And so it's kind of hard to, you know, but. What I'm saying is, choices you make in life 
you know, there's some things that you have choices to make. Now, and, and you might be saying, Brent, you know what, I messed this up. Okay, then do it over. Aren't you glad God allows you do-overs? If you, if you messed up, best thing, I messed up. I've told my kids, I brought them all in and said, you know what, Daddy did that wrong, and I am sorry. And they look at you like, wow. But you need to be humble. You need to be able to say, I didn't handle that right. I lost my temper. I said some things I shouldn't have said, or I handled this wrong, or whatever the case is. But I'm telling you, signs are all pointing, and you all know it. It's getting closer. He's coming back. I don't know when, but we're going to keep looking into this, and we're going to see as best we can. Because I don't know about you, but I'm making that trip. I want to go. I mean, I don't want to really go right now, but if he comes now, I'm going. And uh, so it's going to be all right. And I want you to look at me. I want everybody to look at my face, and we're going to close this out. I love you. And more than I could even love you, God loves you. And I don't want you to walk in fear. I don't want you to be like, I don't know. Because I'm gonna, we're going to say a prayer here in a second. If you're sitting here and you're saying, Brett, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers either. But I know the one that does. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to ask the one that does into your life, then no matter, you don't have to have all the answers. I mean, we'll never have all the answers until we're in heaven. Honestly. Don't miss the trip. Don't miss the trip. I've had people that'll say, well, if we don't make the rapture, can we still get to heaven? I believe you can. I believe there's time. But I don't believe you'll make it the way we made it. Don't miss the trip. We'll talk about that as we get to the end time stuff. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?